This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I want to continue talking for a few minutes today. We've been talking about, what has the series been on? Baggage. Baggage. Um, been talking about this, just, uh, this real practical uh, steps on how to deal with the baggage in our life. And, and so we started off in talking about, about that, about how, you know, many of us, if you're like me, I love to travel, but sometimes the journey's not quite as fun as the destination is. And sometimes the worst part of traveling is having to haul your baggage around. So Sean and I, on our trip earlier this year, we took the train around, around Italy and around Rome and Florence and all this stuff, but we're dragging our bags behind us everywhere we went. So we're, we're on trains and, and walking down streets, and, and we've walked miles with our bags. And bags get really heavy, don't they? You can put your back out. Bags will weigh us down. And so that brought us to the question is, how often do we choose to carry the baggage in our life? instead of choosing to deal with it and to claim it or check it like we do when we're, when we're traveling. And, you know, I, and I think sometimes we, we don't do that. We, cho- we choose to carry the baggage in our life because maybe from past experience or maybe it's just the idea and maybe even lies when playing our heads that this is going to be a long, drawn-out, painful process to deal with this baggage that we're carrying. It may be that we realize we're going to have to face some things that we, in reality, we don't really want to have to face, right? There's some tough stuff. All of us have baggage. Somewhere, someplace in our life, there's baggage. Something happened. We've all had something happen in our life that was terrible, right? And I think the reality is that most of us at some point along that process have said, you know what, I'm, I'm strong. I can deal with this. I don't need anybody's help. I'll be all right. And we trucked on. And years later, we find remnants of that creeping up in different things in our life, in our, in our responses and reactions to other people and in different situations, we find those things bubbling up to the surface because we never dealt with them. So, that's the question. How many of us in this journey of life are carrying things that we don't need to be carrying? And so I talked about, I guess it was three weeks ago when I started, where does baggage come from? We talked about unfulfilled expectations, which lead to anger and disappointment. We talked about untreated pain, that fake it till you make it, uh, hiding the pain kind of thing. The unresolved past, not dealing with things quickly enough. Um, the unhealthy view of self, when you believe, you bind to that idea that you're a loser, that you're never going to mount anything, that, there's ugly, that you're ugly, that no one will ever like you, that this is just who I am. And we're talking about unrepented sin, maybe even sin that you confessed, but maybe you never took the steps to begin to walk out of it. But the good news is that Jesus is there to take our bags. Just like at the airport, he's there to take it if we're willing to hand it over. We talked about how our baggage is based on lies. Generally, it's not even the truth. It's not what God's Word says. God's Word says that you're more than enough. It says that you are more than a conqueror. It says that you can handle anything the world throws at you because of who your Father is. The Word tells us that we are gifted and we're talented to be able to carry out a purpose that God has for us. Amen? But we don't believe those things when we buy into the lies of baggage. So what do we do? We've got to begin to buy into the truth. And I've given you three things. We've got to buy into the truth that God still loves me, no matter what I've done, that God can free me, and that God will restore me. We've got to buy into that, and we've got to believe it. And then two weeks ago, I continued, and we talked about, we talked about guilt. We talked about guilt and shame. 
And we talked about what adds to the weight of guilt. We talked about painful regrets, how we all look back and we have some regrets in life, but the problem occurs when we don't deal with those issues. Uh, number two was not letting go. And we talked about how when we hold on to guilt, it becomes shame. The difference between guilt and shame, guilt says I've done wrong, shame says I am wrong. There's something wrong with me. Uh, the third thing was uh, not allowing God to forgive you and cover your failures, realizing that God's love for us is not based on what we've done or not done. We can never do enough to earn his love. It's a free gift, amen? So the last three things I gave you last time, when you let go of guilt, you'll relate to people differently because it affects our relationships, right? Secondly, we talked about you'll relate to God differently. And thirdly, we talked about you can be used by God because we hold on to that guilt and shame. It actually holds up our purpose, and God can't use us the way he wants to. So we've got to give our guilt over to God. So today, I'm going to move on and going to talk for a few minutes about people problems. How many of you ever had people problems? Now, um, if you, you may have noticed in your service guide, I have some notes you can follow along with there. Also, um, you can follow along online using the, uh, the YouVersion app. But what I have found over the years is that many times, I, I believe that most of our baggage is related to relational issues in our lives. And I think part of that reason is, I mean, God placed deep within us that desire for fellowship and that desire for love and that desire for acceptance. And so when we become heartbroken in that, we, it becomes this heavy weight and this baggage that we carry. And even once, how many of you would agree that even once wounds are healed, many times it leaves a scar? And that scar serves as a reminder. I mean, we, we're reminded of what happened. I, I, I've still got a, a scar on my knee from where I fell off my bike once. I got a piece of lead in my leg where somehow, I, I don't know what I was doing in second grade, but I ended up with a piece of lead in my leg, right, from a pencil, right? But these wounds sometimes leave. And how many of you have ever had a wound that actually left a body of your part where it didn't quite function the way it used to? Sometimes that's part of that, that scarring, right? It, it doesn't quite, and you kind of learn to deal with it. Maybe you injured your knee or something like that, and maybe it doesn't even cause pain anymore, but you still find that you walk a little differently than you ever did before, right? These are the things that these wounds can do. But I believe that the painful, the most painful, deepest wounds are the wounds of the heart. And everybody has these where somebody disappointed you, they let you down, they may have stabbed you in the back. Someone may have abandoned you. They may have abused you. Um, it could be that somebody that you care deeply about passed away. Maybe you lost your parents. Maybe, maybe you lost your marriage. Maybe you're the child of, a, of divorced parents. These are all relational issues, aren't they? And probably... At least one of those things, all of us can relate to in some way or another. We've all experienced that relational wound, but few people have ever dealt with it properly. Now, we've all heard the saying that time heals all wounds. Has anybody found that to be true? I think according to the word, really all it does is cause those wounds to go deeper and, and make them harder to deal with. Time doesn't do anything if we don't, if we don't deal with it. So, I was listening to a message last week that, that dealt on some of these topics in a podcast, and they started, this, this guy starts talking about the story of a man by the name of Terah. Now, I knew who Terah was. How many of you know who Terah was? We have a few. 
Most people don't know Terah. Terah wasn't, wasn't real famous. He's actually only really mentioned in his story in six scriptures in, in Genesis chapter 11. But you know of his son, Father Abraham, who had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Anyway. Anyway, so I had always, in Genesis chapter 11, I'd always kind of jump past the story of Terah, but I, I heard this in this message, this guy's talking about Terah, and I just kind of got fascinated with these six verses, and I, I really dug into it and started looking. I didn't realize that Terah was only, he was only 10 generations from Noah, and, uh, and so as we say, he was the father of, of Abraham, but Let's read there at Genesis chapter 11, verses 27, 28. And I'm going to read this from the, from the New Living, the New Living Translation. It says, this is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abraham, uh, sorry, Abram. He was Abram first, right? Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. Now, let me stop there a second. So, so he's the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. It mentions Haran, and it mentions that he was the father of Lot, basically because Haran's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture, and Lot is mentioned further on in the book of Genesis, right? So this kind of brings that whole thing in. In verse 28, But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. We'll stop there for a second. So a couple things I notice here. You know, Terah is the father of these three sons. And they're obviously married and have children. Well, Abram didn't, but, but the others, uh, we know they were all married. And we know Haran had, had children. And then we see that Haran dies. And back then, probably most commonly was illness, disease, uh, obviously could have been an accident or could have been a battle, right? But Haran dies. And I began, I began thinking about this whole thing. And like I said, there's only six scriptures, but I read into this a little bit with me because I was thinking how, you know, sons are supposed to bury their fathers. But I don't believe that fathers are supposed to bury their sons. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, I, I have not lost a parent yet. Um, but I think as, you know, the children of our parents, we expect that one day we're going to bury our parents, right? But can you imagine... I, I, some of you may be in that, may have been in that place where you lost a child, but I mean, I couldn't imagine how much how much more difficult that would be, how unexpected and how unjust that would seem and would feel. Everybody agree? So you've got Tara who loses his son Heron, right? And so I can imagine that Tara, as any parent that just lost his son, is carrying this wound. Uh, from, this, from this loss. So if we jump on then to verse 31. It says, One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarah, who would be Sarah, so it's Abraham and Sarah, his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at the city of Haran and settled there. Terah lived 205 years and died while, while still in Haran. Now, I don't know if y'all have caught this yet. I somehow had not caught it before. This is all the information we have. But we see here that Terah, for some reason, theologians, I went to reading, theologians still don't quite understand why Terah suddenly uprooted his family and decided to go to Canaan. But isn't it interesting that the next generation, God tells Abraham, 
to go to Canaan, right? And that's, that's where Abraham went. So we don't know exactly why, but I actually got to looking at a map of this whole thing. So we know that Terah uproots his family, and he's headed for Canaan. But if you look at a map, Canaan's almost exactly west of Haran. Or, I'm sorry, of um, Ur. And Ur was right outside of the city of Babylon. Anybody, what, what country is Babylon, the ruins found in today? It's Iraq. So in southern Iraq is where you find the ruins of the city of Ur. And so instead of going directly west to Canaan, they went northwest. And actually, they went around the Arabian Desert because it says they ended up in the city of Haran, which is today the ruins have been found in southern Turkey. So they went up around the Arabian Desert, and they got to Haran, and then it says he headed for the land of Canaan, but he stopped at Haran and settled there. See, between we, we know that Canaan would later be called the promised land, right? Between Ur, where Terah set out his family, and the land of Canaan, was the city of Haran, which just happened to be the name of his son he had just lost. How crazy is that? And there's no relation. I wondered if maybe later the city was called Haran or something after Abraham, after Terah's son or something. It wasn't. They said there was, they, they found there was no relation. It just happened to be a city that was of the same name as Terah's son that he had just lost. So between Ur and the promised land was the city of Haran. And if you look there, it says, the Terah stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived 205 years and died while still in Haran. To get to where, we, could, I, I, we can't say for a fact that God called Terah to Canaan, but something called him there. And I believe it very well could have been, just like God called Abraham to, to Canaan, it could very well be that God called Terah to Canaan, and he ended up having to do it through his son. But if that's the case, to get to where God wanted him to be, he had to face his deepest pain. Isn't that crazy? He stopped and he settled in a place that was named after what may have been the deepest wound in his life. And there he died. He never got to where he was supposed to go. And how many of us end up in that same kind of situation? Something happens in our life and we may be years down the line here, years later, and still that broken relationship defines us. That divorce defines us. That abuse of, our, of a parent defines us. The loss of that loved one defines us. The way treated, people treated me when I was younger defines me. And we find that we still haven't walked past it. I talked a few weeks ago, talked about how um, I'm sure some of you can relate how, you know, the difficulties in growing up and maybe you had to deal with, with uh, kids in school that gave you a hard time. And I, I talked about that a little bit, how, you know, up till sixth grade, here I am an honor roll student. By seventh grade, man, there was a group of boys that they harassed a bunch of us in a big way. I, I actually, uh, I remember actually getting punched in the face by somebody I didn't even know in seventh grade, my first semester. And... I went in one semester from being an honor roll student to making an F on my report card. Bam, just like that. And, you know, you begin to buy in. That's what I talked about. We begin to buy into this whole idea that, well, nobody likes me. I'm no good. 
I'm just a failure. I can't do anything right. I'm not worth being loved. How many of you have been there? Yeah. And you know, I, like many, I made personal vows that I've had to deal with in my life. At that time, I made vows and nobody's going to ever see me hurt. They're not going to see my emotions. They're not going to see me cry. I'm, I'm, and what does that do? That just adds the weight. <laughs> it causes a stronghold and we're just carrying these things through life. But I bought into this idea. And let me tell you this. Let me take it a step further. I thought about this the other day. What do those things do? I, I, man, I, as I dug deep into what I felt during that time, I felt like a disappointment. I felt like a disappointment to my parents. I felt like a disappointment to those around me. And I bought into this idea on top of all these other things that I was just a disappointment. And let me tell you, you carry those things in your relationship with the Lord. You know, this year the Lord's dealt me on a number of things. And, and one of the things I realized was in my whole life I've known that God's like, I have never believed I have known within myself that I know I'm not a disappointment to my parents. I know that. But during that time as I was questioning these things, it partially shaped my relationship with the Lord because I found this year the Lord revealed to me the way that I approach him. So I don't know if any of you have ever been there, but I found that I would approach the Lord with this attitude, and it was kind of subconscious. I wouldn't say it was outward, but I, with this whole attitude that, that Lord, I, I come before you, I know that you love me, but I, I know that I probably wasn't your first choice. I know that I'm probably not your best. I know that I've been a disappointment, but I know that you love me, and I thank you for using me anyway. Man, what a lie. What a lie. You're not a disappointment to God. Let it go. I've just gotten to where right now, every day now, I say to the Lord, God, I thank you that you are for me, that you are with me, that you have a purpose for my life. And I I say those things out loud every day because I'm not going to believe that lie. Amen? Let me give you a few things real quick. Goodness. Um, From the story of Terah, a couple things that we can learn. Number one, you can follow along in your notes there. Wounds will keep me from my potential. Wounds will keep me from my potential. You'll never go to where you're supposed to go until you deal with the wounds. Until you deal with the hurt and the pain. And let me tell you, how many of you would agree that pain and hurt even clouds your judgment and your decision making? You don't even sometimes make sense. That's why it's important that we surround ourselves by godly influences. And people that can speak into our life. And can say, look, you're not thinking straight. You're being ridiculous. (laughs) you got to rein that thing in. You're buying into a lie. Here's what God's word. we got to surround ourselves by people who will tell us the truth that we will buy into. Psalm 73, verses 21 and 22 say, Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Have you have ever been in that place where you were so hurt that you realized that you were like a senseless animal? Not making any sense. Making irrational decisions. Because you're doing it, you're, making, you're only viewing things out of the filter of your hurt. You're saying things out of the filter of your hurt. You're making decisions out of the filter of your hurt. And let me say this too, something else I thought about. We can blame the devil for these things, and yes, uh, let, blame the devil for these things. But let me tell you, he doesn't care about your relationships. He doesn't care about breaking up your relationships. He doesn't he didn't hurt. He, he, that doesn't bother him at all. It's not, his point is not to bring relational issues to your life. His point is to derail your purpose. That's why he does these things. 
And some of us have allowed that to happen. Because of a hurt, because of a deep-suited pain in our life, we're allowing the enemy to derail our purpose in life. And we're standing still instead of moving forward. Sometimes we're moving backwards because we're allowing him to use these issues to derail our purpose. And I believe that the enemy used Heron to stop Tara from something bigger. Second thing, wounds will pollute my other relationships. Wounds will pollute my other relationships. You ever spent time with a truly wounded person? Man, it's tough. Because a lot of times these folks, I mean, they don't even know how to have a healthy relationship. Hurt people hurt people, right? So maybe you're one of those that you find yourself, maybe you find yourself blowing up in anger. But usually it's at those people that you love the most. And as soon as the words come out of your mouth, you go inside, you go, oh, why did I say that again? Why do I do this? I guarantee you it's a wound inside of you. Generally, people, wounded people, are simply afraid of being wounded again. It's, it's just, it's simple fear, isn't it? You ever tried to love an abused dog? I got thought, thinking about that yesterday. When you, you try to go up to them, maybe they've wandered up and they're trying to find food around your house and you go up to them, and what do they do? They back away. They back away. And you know they want love. Dogs love love. Love, love. Yes, they do. They love love. You know they want love, but not at the risk of being mistreated again, right? So they back off as you, as you approach. Until you finally get to a place, maybe you kind of corner them, and what do they do? They keep their head down, and they won't look at you, and they just tremble and look away, Right? They reject your love because they're afraid of being, of being wounded, right? They won't receive your love and they push back until you almost kind of force it on them, right? And we've probably all seen an animal that, that has come from that kind of situation and within just days and weeks it can come alive with the right love there. Uh, Hebrews 12, 15, I'm actually going to read this from the Phillips Paraphrase Bible. It says, a bitter spirit is not only bad in itself, but can poison the lives of others. You seen that to be true? A bitter spirit is not only bad in itself, but can poison the lives of others. So what happens when we end up getting wounded? Well, one of the most common things we do is get defensive, right? We get defensive, we put up walls, and the problem with putting up walls is then nobody can help us. We block everybody out, right? So we get defensive, sometimes we... Get distant and withdraw. How many of you are the get distant and withdraw kind of person? How many of you are the defensive kind of person? You automatically go on defense. Oh. We, we all deal with things differently, right? Some people get defensive, I'm sorry, distant and withdraw. And really, this solves nothing because you're never really going to deal with it. And then some people get demanding and controlling. How many of you would say that you're the demanding controlling type? Yeah, no. Oh, there's one hand. Somebody's brave. Somebody's brave, yeah. Do... It's due to insecurities, we have to control our environment, right, to protect ourselves. And it's all based in fear. It's fear of being wounded again. Holding on to wounds affects our relationships. Genesis, now, here's, here's the kind of the kicker in the whole story of Haran and, and Terah. In the next scripture, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, God speaks to Abram and says, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. 
I believe that Terah didn't go where he was supposed to, didn't do what he was supposed to do. And it got passed on to his son. And his son carried the torch and headed to where God told him to go. So, third thing I want to mention is, wounds can destroy my relationship with God. And this is, this is a huge one. Wounds can destroy my relationship with God because here's, here's the thing. Our relationship with God and our relationship with others is inseparable. This, this really hit me this week. It says it in the Bible. To say, I love God but hate my brother, <laughs> it doesn't fly that way. It doesn't work. So some may ask, well, why am I not closer to God? Well, maybe the Lord wants you to deal with some of the relational issues in your, in your own life. Maybe he wants you to deal with the issues in your heart toward others and deal with some of those wounds first. Mark eleven twenty five. Y'all know this. It says, when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins also. Jesus is basically saying, look, don't come to me until you've gone to them. That's tough, isn't it? We could say that our relationship with those around us affects our relationship with him. Why? Because I believe that God knows that, you know, we can't, you can't receive what he has for you, what he wants to impart into you until you're willing to extend it to others. Does that make sense? You know, to tell God, well, Lord, I'll thank you for your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness, but I'm not giving it to him. It just doesn't quite work that way. Jesus was asked, What's the most important law? What did he say? He said, I can't give you one. I'm going to give you two. Love God and love people, right? The Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. You ever thought about that? Forgive us as we have forgiven those. We're basically, look, when we say this, we're basically saying, God, Forgive me just like I forgave my brother. Forgive me just as I forgave all these people in my past. Forgive me just like I forgave all those people who hurt me. Some of us need to quit saying it. <laughs> and then it goes on in verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That kind of makes your hair stand up on end kind of makes this passage very important. Until we settle our relational baggage, we're not going to be able to move forward in our relationship with God. Our relationship with God will suffer as a result. But here's the good news. God is awesome at healing the wounded heart. If we will allow him to. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, from the NIV it says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And we talked before about how those, those, that baggage that we carry, those are really strongholds in our lives. And they're not based on truth. We've got to replace those lies with truth. The truth that God loves me, he'll free me, and he'll restore me. Now, I want to give you a couple more things here. So what do we need to do to deal with these people issues, this, this people baggage in our life, this relational baggage? Three things real quick. Number one is reveal the pain. This is one of the tough ones because... I don't know about you, but man, I know even for us guys, that's a difficult one sometimes. We bury that stuff deep. 
and we don't want it to come to the surface because we have this idea that it makes us weak. We have got to come forth. We've got to bring it out into the open, and we've got to deal with it. Now, obviously, you know, church is a great place, but, you know, that's not something that can generally happen on Sunday morning. That's why you need godly relationships with other Christian couples. That's why you need to be a part of a small group and a place where you can go and you have people that you trust and you can confide in, and you can begin to share some of these things. You can say, hey, you know that message Sunday morning, man, that, man, that convicted me because I know I'm still struggling with this toward this person or, or whatever else it may be. You've got to have somebody in your life that you can begin to share these things with. As long as you hold on to it, the more it's going to affect you and it's going to poison relationships around you and affect your relationship with God. Psalm 32.3 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. How many of you have ever been there? You kept silent and your bones wasted away. And Psalm 39.2, So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good, but my anguish increased. If you choose not to deal with relational baggage in your life, not to bring it out and deal with it, this is what you choose. My anguish will increase. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Second thing, forgive the people involved. Forgive the people involved. Guys, we've got to, as they say, let it go. We've got to let it go, and we've got to forgive. And here's the funny thing. Have you ever noticed that the longer we hold on to something, the longer we hold a grudge against somebody, the more we become like them. We end up doing the same things to others. And we end up being one of those hurt people that hurts people just because we won't deal with it. And look, I understand. They, <laughs> they may not deserve forgiveness. But neither do we. Right? Peter asked, how many times do I forgive? The Jewish law said three times. What did Jesus say? Seventy times seven, right? God is unable to work in our lives if we're unable to extend forgiveness to others. And understanding, too, that I know it was a bad, it, it, I know it was bad. I know the incident, that whatever you went through was terrible. But it's not about the incident. It's not about that. It's about you, it's about your heart, it's about your relationship with the Lord. And that's what's got to be dealt with. 1 Peter 2, 23, when they hurled insults at him, who are they talking about? Talking about Jesus. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus was on the cross after they had driven nails through his hands and his feet, saying what? Father, forgive them. And then the last thing, so he had reveal the pain, forgive the people involved, and last thing, refocus, refocus on God's plan for your life. As we cannot let some painful incident derail our purpose in life. We can't do it. We've got to move, we've got to move forward. You think about Joseph after he was betrayed by his brothers and thrown into a pit and sold into slavery and accused of things he didn't do and thrown in prison and, and, you know, all these different things. And he ends up second highest in command in Egypt, right? And what a day that must have been to walk out from behind the curtain to his audience and see his brothers knelt down in front of him. What would some of us have done? <laughs> it would have been a bad situation 
as some of us have been up there. You realize, I'm sure he had a, could have had them beheaded on the spot. You're done. Right? But if you look in Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 and 20, it says, Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That's forgiveness. That's a heart that's not holding on to the wounds, but is truly after God. Amen? In closing, as I close, I want to read you one more scripture. And as you begin to think about this, and because here's the reality. I know that this probably relates to most of us in some way or another. I'm going to read to you from Job chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. And I encourage you as you, as you kind of meditate on this whole idea of the relational wounds in our lives and, and how it holds us back, I want you to think about this and make this God's word to you from Job chapter 11. Excuse me, it's, I'm, I'm going to read to you from the good news version. It says, put your heart right, Job. Put your own name in there. Put your heart right. Reach out to God, put away evil and wrong from your home, then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. This is what some of us need. We've stood still too long. We've held on to things we shouldn't have held on to. We haven't extended forgiveness. And we've carried these things, and we haven't been able to move forward with God, and it may have held up who knows how many areas of our life. It's probably affected our relationships and, and, and everything else. Let me read it again. Put your heart right. Reach out to God. Put away evil and wrong from your home, and face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory, memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. We've got to put our hearts right, and we've got to reach out to God. And for some of us, that's just the freedom that we need. Freedom is found in Jesus. You can get freedom. You can get deliverance. But you've got to want it. Sometimes we hang on to those things because we, we don't want to let them go. You ever been there? We held on to the hurt and the pain, and we felt that it kind of defines us. Maybe it's kind of given you this something in your attitude. Maybe it's kind of made you snarky. And, and you find, I've known people that find themselves proud of that. And pain is the source of it. You've got to want to let it go. Truly want freedom in your life? Easy answer. Let's bow our heads together. Look, everything I've said today is man, straight from the Word. I know some of you, it, I know it, it probably cuts deep. I know that God's Word, man, it brings conviction sometimes. And I, I, I believe that there's some of us here that you're sitting there and your heart's beating fast. You know that there's some things that you need to deal with, some things that you need to take care of, some things you need to be rid of. But here's the reality. You want to have your, right, your heart right? You want God to heal you? You want Him to restore you? First step is to give your heart to Jesus. If you haven't given your life to Him, He can't do the healing work in you. 
He can't take away the pain. You tie his hands. That's the first step. And you may have, you know what, you may have before, you may have asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. But you recognize that here's an area I've held on to that I haven't let go of, that I have not made him Lord of. This is an area that I've kept to myself, that I've held on to tightly. Even the pain, sometimes we hold on to the pain so tightly. It's time to make him Lord of that. And as we always do at the end of a service, we give that invitation to give our lives to Jesus. But I'm gonna ask it a different way today. Who needs to get their heart right for the Lord today? If that's you and you would say, you know what? I'm carrying stuff that I shouldn't be carrying. There's something here that, that I've recognized today that I have not allowed Jesus to be the Lord of. If that's you and you would say, I need healing. I need to get my heart right for God. Lift your hand. Real quick. Don't hold back. Yeah, who else would say, I've got some issues in my heart that I need to get right. I've got to get my heart right for God today. Yeah. That's four. Who else? I believe there's more. He would say, I've got to let the Lord take my pain. I've got to let him deal with these issues. And that first step is handing your wounded heart over to him. And that's the thing that we guard the most. You've got to let go. You've got to hand it over to him freely and say, Lord, I trust you. Be the Lord and be the master. I'm going to let you do this work. Is there anybody else? That's five, six. Anybody else that would say, I've got to get my heart right today. I've got to get it right. All right. We're going to pray together. And we're going to pray the prayer of salvation. I know some of you may have done that before, and that is okay. But say it from the attitude of just giving your heart fully to him again. And you may have never given your life to Christ before. Look, this is totally, this is your moment. The Bible says when you do so, you become a new creation. The old has passed away and all things become new. It doesn't mean that your path, your journey is going to be all roses. But it means that you're going to have the creator of the universe walking with you hand in hand. And if you stumble, he's going to be right there. You're going to be all right. He'll bring you peace and he'll bring you joy in the midst of the storm. All you've got to do is surrender your life to him. We're going to pray this prayer. And I just want everybody, I'm not going to call anybody out at this point. I just want everybody to pray together. If you mean this with your heart, everything changes. You change kingdoms. Let's pray together. Say, dear Lord, I thank you that I don't have to walk this life alone. I thank you for Jesus who came to take my pain, to take my grief, to take my shame, to take my sin, to take my sorrow, to take all those things that I've tried to carry in my own strength. I give up today. I surrender. I am done. I give up. 
and I hand my life to you. I hand my heart to you. Take my wounded heart, Lord. Make it new. Jesus, I declare that you are Lord of my life and I will follow you to the end. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to be all that you've called me to be. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, let's stand together. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.